Hey folks, it's Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times on Twitch in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my D&D game. Uh, in this case, I am running a homebrew Eberron campaign that I am calling The Second Morning, and that's what we'll be talking about today. This show is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you, go, if you want to be a patron of Sly Flourish, you can go to patreon.com slash slyflourish and help support this show and, and all of the equipment that it takes to make the show and all of the bandwidth costs and all sorts of other odds and ends. One of the things that the, patron, the patrons of Sly Flourish pay for is the Sly Flourish newsletter, which is a way to get uh, the Sly Flourish article directly sent to your inbox uh, just by email. Uh, links for all of that are in the show notes below. Hey, my mom is here, and he's not your problem is here, and hello, John is here. We got lots of people today. This is great. Uh, so what other, what other news or announcements do I have? I think that's about it. Um, yeah, so I ran. Uh, I am in, this is going to be episode five uh, session five of my Eberron game. And in the last, I got a lot to talk about. The last game didn't go great. You know, yeah, it didn't go, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like, oh my God, this game sucks, but it was not great. And, uh, and I thought like, huh, I wonder if it's not great for this particular reason. And, and I'm actually running the same general campaign for both my, Sunday and my Wednesday groups, I said I could either completely change it for my Wednesday group because it didn't, it didn't go particularly well, or I can go with a, um, I can go with my Sunday group and I can go ahead and run the same adventure for my Wednesday group that I ran for my Sunday group and see how it goes for them. And the, uh, the answer to that was, it wasn't great for the Wednesday group either. So I'm like, okay, this reminds me of when I ran, um, what was the adventure in Ghosts of Saltmarsh? Uh, oh, Isle of the Abbey. So I ran Isle of the Abbey for my Wednesday group and they didn't like it. It's very funny because I set up a huge Dwarven Forge setup for this big, beautiful table-sized Dwarven Forge arrangement. And we even took a picture because one of the players couldn't make it. So we took a picture of like all the players going like, oh, like staring at it going, oh. And, and it was probably the worst game I, I can recall ever running. And I was like, huh, I wonder if I just ran it poorly or if this adventure kind of sucks. So let me run it for my Sunday group. And I ran it for the Sunday group. And they're like, yeah, this sucks. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it really sucks. You know, so sometimes I have to try it twice, which is too bad because I never won a bad game. So I think, I think generally if I'm going to, yeah, he's not your problem. Says, I will the Abbey sucks as written. And I agree. It's my least favorite adventure in Ghost of Salt Martian. My recommendation is at best, take some of the seeds and run, run with it yesterday. Um, Evil John says that ran it yesterday and rebuilt it based on your feedback. Uh, oh, and he said it went great. Great. I am glad that our experiences running it poorly led to uh, useful advice where somebody else could enjoy it. And it, so I think the net, there's a net positive in the world there. And I'm, I'm happy with a net positive. So I think, you know, and, and boy, when I run games that don't run particularly well, it leads to lots of things. Like I think when I ran that Isle of the Abbey game, I ended up having a DM deep dive about running bad games and, and recovering from bad games. I wrote like two articles about re recovering from bad games. And I wrote an article and had like numerous discussions on this show about why that particular adventure sucked and also how a DM can sort of get past the negativity of having run a bad game and, and get back in the saddle. So, um, 
Yeah. So I think when I run games that aren't particularly great, I certainly learn more. I don't know. You know, I, it feels like it's not worth it though, because like you still drag five people through a game that wasn't as good as it could have been. So I don't know. Like I, I feel bad that it, I don't feel bad for running a bad game the first time. I feel bad for running it a second time and going, yeah, it's still bad. So, uh, but it wasn't bad. It was like a six out of 10. My, my, my wife, who's right outside the door, uh, gave it a six out of 10. Um, so, and that's not terrible, right? You know, six, it's okay. I liked it two for the seven or eight out of 10 and, you know, rare occasions a nine or a 10. Um, but I'll, I'll, you know, six out of 10 isn't terrible. So I don't think, and I talked to all my players in my Wednesday group about it and they were like, yeah, it was fine, but you know, there was these issues here and there. So we're going to talk about those issues a little bit. And then we're going to talk about recovery because now we're going back into the same situation. And I want to make sure that this today's adventure goes well. So the issue was I wanted to run a dinner party. Right, I wanted to run like a big fancy gala at uh, the estate of uh, Leto Skal, who is a a gold ring member of the Orem. And um, yeah, six out of ten isn't bad. It's passing in most colleges. Yeah, I skated through on a six out of ten in college. So um, the uh, yes, yeah, so they're having a dinner party at the Orem, and you already know that like a dinner party isn't your typical D and D setup. It's not a comfortable arrangement it isn't a dungeon right it isn't like you know a, a, an event now but social events happen i would i would assume that social events happen you know usually pretty quickly you have an audience with the king or you go meet with a, a one of the the you know one of the dragon marked of a house and then you have a conversation and then you're done and you go do stuff but like a dinner party um you know a, a dinner party or a gala well that might take an entire session and the problem is in the same way that going into a dungeon and fighting room after room of monsters without any interaction removes an entire pillar of play. Likewise, going to a gala where you know your sword is never going to leave your sheath also eliminates one of the pillars of play, right? And it means that like if, you know, if you've got the three pillars, you know, your, your role-playing, your exploration, and your combat, uh, and you cut one of the pillars out, you're cutting a lot of options, right? So, when you have a gala, you, you know, if you can, like, how do you fit a battle in there, right? How do you have something? And there's ways, I think. I didn't have them. Um, and the other thing is I really doubled and tripled down on on exploration that I really wanted to, you know, I knew that interaction is not going to be a problem. You're at a gala. You can talk to a million people. But how do you also make it where people can do investigation and perceptions and sleight of hands and the other if you look at the skill list that exists in D&D and you say like what are all of the things that can happen in a dinner party that can interface with these skills and by the way do my do the characters actually have these skills uh you know i think that's an important step and uh, anyway so i wrote like a 2500 word article about it uh, on how to run dinner parties there's a, a really good article i think it's on the alexandrian about how to run social events and dinner parties that i thought was pretty good I think that the steps from return, even though I used them and even though the events didn't go particularly well, as far as like, you know, if I'm shooting for an eight out of 10, um, that uh, even though it didn't go particularly well, I think the steps still hold up. I think they're still useful. I think there's a couple of areas for emphasis that are required when you're running a dinner party. Um, And probably the one that I think I failed the most on my Sunday game last week and did a little bit better on the Wednesday is why the hell are you there? Right. And one problem I think I had in this particular campaign 
is that I brought the dinner party up too early and it wasn't clear why the characters are there. So I had, I had an NPC in either case. It actually makes more sense for the Sunday group than the Wednesday group. For the Sunday group, there was a, there was a, a goal. And the goal was, hey, we're, we're delivering this book that you purchased to this guy. And we're selling it to him. But we're probably going to have to get it back. And we're probably going to have to steal it back from here. So I want you guys to case this joint while we're here. That's a clear goal, right? And case the joint is one thing. But also, like, you can even narrow it down. Like, I bet the guy's got a secret vault. Find out where his secret vault is, right? That's a, that's a better goal. So you really, when you're running a dinner party or, a, or, a, or a, any kind of big social event that's going to take a significant amount of time, you never want the players to say, like, the hell am I doing here? Or I guess I'll go talk to some people, right? And that's wandering around with a drink in their hand, you know? Hey, are you barbarian? Yes, I am. Do you rage? Yes, I do. So you, you don't want to, you want to make sure that the players know why they're there and that they're accomplishing goals while they're there. And that that, I think, is really important. I think pr- already building out like what locations exist. <laughs> do you even rage, bro? So uh, even though what locations exist in the place is really important. This is where we can sort of like print out a Dyson map and just take out a pen and write on the map what all the locations are so that when the when the players and the characters are exploring it, you can sort of describe it. And then I think secrets and clues are super important. They're super important in any game, but they're really important in social events because there's going to be a, that's really the reward is learning secrets and clues. So um, I think that that is a, a, a super valuable thing. But there is a part of me that's like, make sure you really want to run a dinner party. Like don't, you know, why are you doing it? And, and, and I think it's instead of saying, which I kind of did, right? The, one mistake I had is like, well, I'm throwing them in dungeon after dungeon. Well, I really threw them in one so far. But like in my head, it's like I've got 15 dungeons for them to explore. And I'm like, I want to have some other scenes than just dungeon delving for them. I want to have, you know, there's a lot of politics going on and there's a lot of interesting things. And I want to sort of throw them in there. And I'm like, what better way than a dinner party to like introduce a bunch of villains and introduce a bunch of players so that they can kind of see like, oh, so these are all the people we're working with. But I think I did it too early. Like they didn't know who Lido Skull was. They didn't even, you know, they didn't even meet him. So they, they should learn that like there's a, there's a, a, a gold ringer Auron that's interested in their, the artifacts that they're pulling back and that there's something suspicious about them. And they should have had some other NPCs that are like, this guy's shady, man. Like there's something going on. And then, and then like make it so that they want to go to the dinner party. So I think like, it's one of these scenes where if you could say, and I, I think this is a good point, like what are the, you know, I think in, in, I think this is in the original Lazy Dungeon Master, and I, I certainly wrote articles about the three plus infinite options, which is like, you're in your headquarters, here's the current situation, here are three potential paths that you could take to kind of go through the situation, or you can choose something else, right, if you guys have another idea. And if one of those is, get yourself invited to the dinner party of Lido Skull. Right. And then one of the others is go down into the cogs and meet that weird contact, you know, meet the anonymous contact who said they have information from the draw on for you or, or information from Dask for you. And then the other one is uh, go break into the Forbidden Library in Morgrave University. And if the characters say they look at those and they go, we can go down to the cogs and meet an anonymous contact from the Dask. We can go to Morgrave University, break into the library and, and go into the forbidden section and try to get the second Tome of Making, which is known as the Tome of Kulsir. It's actually not. It's a Tome of Unmaking. Or we can go to the dinner party. And they go, yeah, let's go to that dinner party. Well, now you've given them the choice and now you know the players are interested in going to the dinner party. And you want to know, like, why, why are you going to the dinner party, right? Super important. And if it's like, go to, you know, sneak, get, get into the dinner party so you can stake out uh, Lido Skull's uh, manor because you're probably going to have to break in there and steal something, you know? 
or, or better yet, right? Let's just narrow that goal down and say, you know, get into Lido Skull's manner during a dinner party to steal back the Tome of Making, right? That is a good goal. And it's one where you could see players that are like, yeah, that is equal in interest to these other two. And I don't think I was there. I kind of forced, I didn't, you know, force is a strong word. Maybe I don't want to say that I forced it, even though I did. Um, but I kind of forced the dinner party. I, I did. Like I had the NPC saying, hey, we're all going to dinner party. And then the players are like, okay. And I said, like, here's some clear goals. And I threw a lot of exploration ideas so they could learn a lot while they were there. Um, but uh, yeah, but I, I, I definitely got the feeling that um, people weren't as engaged in the game and that they kind of didn't know what they were doing there. I think some people liked it better than others. And the the other, um, yeah, so Evil John says, use art and portraits. And I did. Yeah, I have, I have, uh, I threw portraits into the channel. I certainly use maps. Like, this is one where, like, you can, you know, a map is really important uh, because you want them to know where they are, right? And that worked well. Uh, and, and sharing that stuff is easy to do. I would say that, and I've had other people that talked about this on Twitter when I, when I brought up the conversation, that... Um, running these kind of social events online. In fact, I had players in my game who said this too, that running a social event like this online is harder because the crosstalk is harder. And I think I should have mentioned that, like, if you guys want to sort of, you know, conspire together, make sure that you can do that. Do that in your in your text channels together. And then if you guys have a, a joint idea, you want to approach something, you can do it there. But because normally you can have some table crosstalk in a home game that you can't have online. Um, that, that makes it not work. Um, and, uh, handyman 81 says, uh, part of me is I hate and situations that NPCs interact with another. Yeah. And so I didn't do that. You're right. That's a, that's a good lesson. And I probably ought to throw that in the article is like, don't ever have your NPCs talking to each other. In fact, interaction between NPCs is generally boring anyway. So you can just sort of treat it like background noise. Like there's a lot of people talking to each other and you can see that Lido Skull is there with, uh, you know, Doris, uh, and they're talking about the book, but you don't have to like get into it. And really it's about who's interacting with the characters and who the characters interacting with. That's, that's key. I didn't make that mistake. Like I didn't, I didn't have a bunch of, you never, you know, you don't want NPCs talking to NPCs, not for any, you know, not for any length of time beyond like a few seconds. Um, Handyman 81 says that's the, the straw dinner party. Straw dinner party is different too. The way I ran it was it could easily turn into a fight, you know, and now you've got all three pillars in a dinner party, right? You have, a table and Strahd's at the end and they're in the castle and there's these like vampire adventurers that are around the table and the characters around the table and the vampire adventurers, they're not saying anything. They're sitting there like smiling and grinning and getting ready to eat people. And Strahd is talking to the characters and making a negotiation. And he's like, give me Irina and you guys can leave the, this is the way I ran it when I ran it. And I thought it worked really, really well. Um, give me Irina and you guys can leave. And there was exploration. There was like, there, there, you know, subtlety, like trying to figure out the, you know, trying to figure out the other vampires and the other vampires are like staring at him and like, who are these people? And it's like, you, you do checks like, yeah, these guys are 500 years older than you are and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And you can do all the interaction of, of negotiation. And if the players are like hell with it, boom, into a fight, bang, table gets flipped over, vampires, characters, and everyone's thrown down. So you have all three pillars and the, the players have a choice. And I remember when I ran the Strahd dinner party was one of my favorite moments of that campaign because Strahd had the characters right on the edge of agreeing to his demands. He was right there. And they were like, so let me see if I get this straight. Irina comes to you, becomes your new, your new bride. We give her up. We get to leave the, and we get to leave the castle. 
and we get to leave Barovia. We can leave the mist and we're free. And he said, yeah. And they're like, that's what, you know, I mean, like, look, he's killing people by the dozen. Like she's one person, right? Like this seemed, and she's willing to do it for the, to sacrifice herself for, for, for Barovia. So who are we to stand in the way? And then like one of the players is like, what the hell are we doing? We're, we're, we're going to agree to Strahd. No, uh, uh-uh. F that. Right. And he pulls out a sword and all the vampires go crazy. And Strahd's like, well, see ya. And he turns into guests and flies away. And four vampires are fighting four characters. And it's this huge brawl. And like people are throwing chickens at each other. And one person's climbing through the, under the table and somebody gets charmed and it's, oh, it was awesome. Right. But I love that it was right on the edge of them saying yes. And then finally one player is like, why would we ever agree to something with Strahd? And then it went the other way. So that, that I think was cool. And I, I think having an option for uh, combat works. So you can have something like the disgruntled uh, nephew of a lord goes there and is threatening people, right? And, and you know, you can take him out or you can duel him, right? There's options. You can kind of see these situations where you can get involved in combat. Uh, I think are, are are not bad ways to sort of try to throw the third pillar. Um, throw, throwing chickens wasn't in my edition. Yeah, I think somebody picked up one of the chickens and like they picked up the, the chicken, which was this big succulent, well-roasted chicken. And then they looked and it was all rotted and covered in maggots. They're like, ah, you know, because it was all illusionary. They're like, I ate some of that. Ah, it was a big food fight. It's in the errata. So, um yeah, so you can have stuff like that. And Strahd's dinner party is like a really good example of how a dinner party can just be totally awesome. But, you know, the Lido Skull dinner party, or it wasn't a dinner party, it was a gala. I don't know, so much. Anyway, so that's something that I'm going to write about more. It was something I certainly learned. Uh, and now it really gets into, okay, where, where are we going from here? So uh, I have my notes here. And we're going to start uh, with... Uh, step one from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, which is who are the characters? Characters in this campaign are are members of the Finders Guild. Uh, they are and, and thus are part of House Therask. Uh, their group patron is a woman named Doris Dithrask. She is a half orc, uh, female half orc explorer, but she spends most of her time in Sharn, and she. Uh, is all about sort of investigating things. And her, the general plot is that she sees a lot of movement going on in the city and she wants to skate where the puck is going to be. She thinks that there's people going after stuff and if she can get it first, that they can propel the Finders Guild and propel the house in a good direction. Um, and that's where it started so far. Uh, we have uh, the characters. We have six characters. Arwen Chi Zizu a scribing gnome artificer. Uh, uh, her father was a famous hero. She has a dodecahedron from her father. Uh, and when you're smart enough to open it, you will. Uh, she has a House Civis latent dragon mark. And her outfit for the event, for the gala, which is one good thing that worked for the gala, worked well with both groups, which is give them time to go get you know, dressed and, and let them kind of explore the city and let them uh, come up with, you know, give them an allowance to, to find some clothes. So he had, or she had a uh, princess dye dress. We have Shift, uh, played by Juliet, uh, Warlock, Warforged Warlock, Pact of the Undying, Human Experiment, and Life Extension. She is one of the oldest uh, uh, warlocks of um, House Keneth and was actually a human turned into a warlock, or into a warlock, uh, a Warforge. Um, and she has a black and gold leather, long gloves, and a gilded jaw. Her jaw has this gold kind of, you know, like a reverse crown. 
That was her outfit for the event. Uh, we have Saber, uh, played by Brian. Longtooth Shifter, Monk, Bounty Hunter, uh, Temple of Balinor in the Fallen. Is He's real interested in that, so I'm, i got to do something with that. we got to... You know, you have a player who's like, I really want to go to that temple. So we're definitely going to open that temple up. He brings it up all the time. Uh, so we're going to do something with that. I don't know what. I got to have a reason to go down there. It might just be for him. It might be like a personal quest. Uh, Shane Husk is the crime novelist uh, who wrote a best-selling book about the Mornland and wants to see if they can do it again. Uh, real interested in the Great War, retired early, and is now following people around to try to get the next best book. Um, Hobgoblin Wizard. Uh, we have Banner, a Warforged Paladin who's seeking the Becoming God, fought for years in the last war. Grew weary. Now, uh, was part of the um, uh, the Lord of Blades group, but uh, realized that uh, they were just bloodthirsty murderers and, and decided to leave. Uh, polished up his armor, but still wears the torn banner that he wore during the morning, or during the last war. Um, Zarentir um, Delandier is a Tempest Cleric, Storm Sorcerer, um, I don't know. Oh, was he here? He might not have been able to. No, he came in late, so he didn't really have an outfit. Um, he broke a, he broke an airship. So uh, those are the characters, and the game ended. I sort of forced, um, and I have an idea for the strong start, but you know, I want to be careful because my game wasn't great. So I really want to kind of push things up, and I'm worried that my, the strong start I have in mind. Uh, is too, um, you know, is is too, you know, takes things too far in another direction. Uh, but my idea, so so the the characters found um, Lido Skull's. They found Lido Skull's vault, right? That's where we ended. Both groups actually ended at the same place, finding Lido Skull's vault, and they can explore it, which would be fun. Uh, but as a strong start, I could also have, um, and this, this brings up some options. So it's definitely a strong start, which is Manticore. So the characters are level three, I'm pretty sure, I hope. I'm pretty sure they're level three. Um, why don't we find out? Let's take a look. Go to add-on. Collections, my campaigns, go to Sunday, bing. Um, they are level three. Um, who's missing? Somebody's missing from here. Uh, I think uh, Pat's character is not here. Huh. I wonder why. So, um, okay, they're level three. So they can take on some stuff. Uh, so my thought was, uh, that a bunch, so here's my crazy ass strong start, which is a bunch of, uh, a, a couple of manticores, like three manticores, uh, drop in. How many, how many gnolls do you think a manticore can carry? And manticores are, are pretty tough, right? Uh, they are third level. Hey, you can see I've got my beyond 20. I can roll dice. Um, they're CR three. Um, so I could have two. Do you think a manticore could carry four gnolls each? Um, and then should, I'm thinking of like, you know, um, 
three manticores come flying over the city. They come like like three manticores roar in, each carrying four knolls. Um Knolls. Uh, regular Knolls, I think they're CR quarter. They're CR one half. So they're pretty tough, right? Uh, they got a bite and a spear attack. Um, they only have one attack. But it is for... Eh, it's a, a little bit, right? Um, so they could bring in four Knolls each. Uh, the Knolls will have eight regular Knolls. can't spell uh what other nulls do we want here um i don't want the crazy high challenge rating ones fanging fang of yinagu is probably a little hard um 65 hit point one of these guys would not be bad uh but they do three attacks right so yeah 14 and 6 20 points of damage per hit which is just about enough to drop a character. Uh, it might be a thing. Uh, that could be one. And um, what's a pack lord? Pack lord's probably too high. Pack lord's a little lower. Um, we'll go with a pack lord. Is pack lord out of the DM or monster manual? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they're so pack lords are pretty tough. So maybe two pack lords. Um, on the way in, uh, two one of the manticores is killed outright uh, to a uh, ballista bolt. Uh, one is badly wounded. Uh, one is fresh. Um. Of the gnolls, and then some number of gnolls are going to be killed by the guards. So here's the idea. Uh, these manticores, this, this knoll pack and their manticore mounts uh, are from Dask. Um, do they have a spy? They might have a spy. What would be a good Dask spy who drops in along with them? Um, a doppelganger? Yeah, and a doppelganger spy. Um, I presume they have a full doppelgangers in here, and I think a doppelganger that the doppelganger spy uh, kind of shifts into one of the nobles and sort of walks into the party. Maybe the party can see it. Um, And so what we have is a very dynamic situation, a lot of potential for combat. There'll be a lot of stuff happening off screen, um, but it'll certainly shake things up. And then the characters can decide. So this is my hope, right? And you always hope things work this way, um, that the characters can make the choice of, hey, this is a great distraction. We can get down to that vault and we can do a bunch of stuff down there. Or we need to go help. Like people are going to get, you know, a bunch of rich folk are going to get eaten by gnolls. We don't want that to happen. You know, capitalism's important. And so, and they can get involved there. So that is, um, 
you know, that is one potential way to uh, shake things up. I feel pretty good about it. I think I am going to run that way. It certainly is different than go to a ball, right? And, the you know, it kind of – it's real complicated. There's a lot of complicated situations, but we can go right into initiative. And, um, you know, and there's also like if the party – if the if the characters decide, no, we're, that's, you know, that's Leto Skull's problem. And his uh, – he has a bunch of House Deneath mercenaries out there. The House Deneath mercenaries will be fighting them and will probably survive. And, you know, it'll be okay. And, and, and Leto Skull himself is going to go out there and start Kona colding people because he's an Oni. Shh, Oni. Um, so he's going to go out there and kill them. So they're going to beat those guys to the ground. And the idea was that like these pack lords sort of went rogue against other members of the Dask and said, we're going to go and raid this guy's party and we're going to go steal his artifacts. We're going to go steal fancy artifacts. And, you know, that's we're, we're going to we're going to short circuit. We know that Leto's working against the Dask. We believe he's working against the Dask and we're going to get in the good minds of the leaders of the Dask by taking him down. Um, and they're going to fail anyway, but it certainly will shake things up. So I think that that could be a neat way. It's also a neat way to introduce the Dask, and it's also a way for a Dask agent to get in front of the characters, potentially, um, to to let them know what's going on. So I think that that can work pretty well. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, yeah. Um, it also opens up something that could be interesting in the um, uh, it opens up something that could be interesting in the vault below, uh, which could be neat. So I don't know if they still want to. They could explore the vault, but if, after the Dask attack, um, you know, they could have a meeting with Skull. Um. Uh, learn of Tower 6 um, from Morgrave. Uh, rules is written. You can only have one medium creature per large creature. Uh, yeah, that's bummer. But I think we're we're going to... Yeah, they could have sort of... <laughs> That's a, so perfect. Thank you. Uh, Leo Hart brings in, and there's a, there's a picture of this. Let's see if we can find it. Um, I think that there is a picture of Knowles, uh, riding on, um, is this it? No, there was a picture of Knowles flying on tensor floating disks. This looks like it. Uh, yeah, so here is a bunch of Knowles, not a bunch, yeah, a couple Knowles riding on tensor floating disks. So the idea, <laughs> I, I love it, right? Like, oh, that's so perfect. Thank you. Uh, And now they can have about six discs per, per the two, um, uh, per manticore. So instead of three manticores, we'll have th uh, two. And then one of them, uh, 
Perfect. Cool. All right. Yeah, I think that's going to be fun, right? I think I'm, you know, I'm worried that it throws this whole like wrench in the complication, like, oh, more dinner party crap, right? But it's like, well, there's not a dinner party, a bunch of gnolls attack. So I think that that's kind of a cool, uh, I think that's a cool way to go. Um, and, uh, and then they can kind of, you know, that, that brings a lot of different potential ways that this scene and situation could go depending on how they choose to interact with it. So I think that that is pretty cool. And I think, uh, we're good. So, so then like it's then into the next stage and that's going to take a while, right? That's a good, that's like half the session right there. Um, So I think that Dask is going to contact the characters as well and offer to meet them in the cogs. Remember when I was bringing up like the three potential ways that they could go? I think one way is to go meet them in the cogs. And um, I think that that, uh, that can lead to some good, you know, good options. I want, I want the... I don't want to railroad them down this like series of events. I want to start putting multiple options in front of the players so that they can start to choose what path they want to take. And I think like to me, two paths that they can take is getting down into tower six of Morgrave university to get the, um, uh, to get the tome of Kulsir, uh, meeting with the Dask down in, uh, the cogs. And then I want something else. Um, oh, well, of course. So then we can, yeah. So the other event we'll throw in is, uh, the temple of Bel, uh, Um, so let's put in our scenes, we'll do options, right? And one is tower six of Morgrave. Um, Acquire the Tome of Kol in, uh, acquire the Tome of Kul in Tower 6 of Morgrave University. Uh, meet the uh, hidden agent of the Dask in the Cogs. Um, and then the third is something, 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 uh, Temple of Balinar. So what... Um, what could the characters want to receive? I, you know, what, what could be stored so that Balinor for, for let's dig into our lore here. Uh, get rid of all this nonsense, Reddit posts and whatnot. Uh, Balinor, uh, okay. That didn't help me. Let's go to, uh, collections, uh, game rules, sources, uh, source books, uh, Eberron, Rising of the Last War. And we go to um, Faiths. Is Balinor a member of the Sovereign Host? Balinor, yeah, Beast of the Hunt, uh, Nature and War. So what... Would and so this is a fallen temple to Balinor, right? Um, so I have a location that they want to explore. 
one of the players is very eager to go there. I really don't know if the other players care at all. Um, but I know that one player is really interested in going there. Uh, I could certainly throw something for him. So he's all about the magic items. Um, he's all about magic items. Um, what would be a good... Uh, so so uh, help me help me Twitch chat. What is a good magic item for a um uh what is a good magic item for a monk what do monks like certainly you could have a magic quarter staff that would be awesome right uh but is there other other are there particular like what is a monk item you know that really fits the class and is sort of like the class defining item the thing that all monks want bracers of defense um i don't know what the sort of perunes is um, he certainly likes his staff. So I think we'd probably, you know, if anything, I'd give him a magical staff. Folding boat. I don't think that that fits the monk. I don't think that that's a monk thing. He would probably like the brace. Do the braces of defense work well with a monk? They stack. Uh, see what the internet has to say. Sage advice. Um, can magic items like braces of defense improve? A monk can benefit from braces of defense. Um, so it sounds like uh, he's saying yes. And uh, I know Brian, the player, loves him some defense. So we could certainly put some some braces of defense in there. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's like a particular magic item. It's sort of like like what's the rod of the pact keeper equivalent? So, you know, warlocks want a rod of the pact keeper. It's built for warlocks and it's really awesome for warlocks. What is the monk equivalent of that? Right? What's the monk equivalent of a rod of the pact keeper or a wand of the war mage? You know, or a, a you know, a sword of uh a, you know, magic weapons for fighters, you know, that that there's certain uh, the not quite holy avenger for paladins, but you know what I mean. Things that things that directly improve their uh, their class and their class in particular, different than um, uh, uh, insignia of claws. Let's look at that uncommon magic item from Horde of the Dragon Queen. Uh, that's pretty great. Um. Empowering your natural fist. Wearing this insignia, getting plus one bonus. Uh, it, 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 does it require attunement? It doesn't say it requires attunement. Um, um, it's pretty great. Yeah, it does not from Horde of the Dragon Queen. This is back when they didn't know how to make items. I guess it doesn't because uncommon magic items don't. Uh So maybe maybe a uh, insignia of claws, and that fits Balinor, right? I think that probably fits Balinor better than uh, Bracers of Defense does. Um, so okay, so I've got an item, uh, but why would the characters want to go? Why would the rest of the characters want to go there? Like, what would they have there? Um, uh 
And would the rest of the player? What if they? What if it was just like this was a total side quest? You know that they that they just uh, that they just explored. Um, would they? Uh, would they be willing to all go in that direction? And and you know I don't know like how how. I don't know. I mean, it certainly would if there was something. What I'm trying to figure out is like, is there something that could be driven into the plot that would help here too? Um, you know, that like there was a map of Sire that was placed here. And that map would help talk about where the locations of Sire exist. There's an artifact there. You know, something else that people want. Um, and I'm having trouble figuring out what that would be. Um, hmm. uh, plus one weapons never do never do what oh yeah they never have they've never required attunement yeah uh, I don't know let's set that aside and we'll come back to it but that 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 I think are like three three potential options uh uh, you know, I could just say like, you know, we could just have this as a side quest for the, for the Explorers Guild, you know, recover. You know, there's a quest and we'll see. Uh, so, okay. Returning to where we are, we need 10 secrets and clues. Um, and... Uh, these are secrets that uh, we, we want to keep in the context of the fact that they're at the dinner party and that it's going to get raided by a bunch of Dask Nulls. So there's, there are faction multiple. There are. There are multiple factions within the Dask. Uh, the Dask um, is loosely controlled. Uh, warlords often go on their own, often act on their own. Um, the Dask answer to the Droam, to the Sisters of the Droam. Um, uh, so now we've got some Dask stuff. Uh, the the Droam, the Sisters are interested in the power that caused the mourning. There's four good ones. That's all about Dask. Um, So now we can talk about Lido Skull. Lido Skull financed an expedition to Zendrek. Oh, I have another location to explore. They returned with something large. The crew went mad and ate themselves. Uh, the artifact was whisked to Leto Leto's vaults. Um what other bits do we have here? Uh, artifact was whisked to Lito's vaults. 
Um, within the ruined bank vault uh, is a map leading to a secret device wanted by the Aurum. I don't know. Um, what else? Uh, agents of the Emerald Claw are active in uh, Sharn. They seek uh, the power of the weapon of the morning. Um, but before then, uh, we have the power. Uh, the power of the weapon is said to have come from the giant magic of Zendrick. Uh, the Tome of Kol Sur is the opposite of the Tome of Making. It talks about unmaking. Uh, so it's the more dangerous of the two tomes. Um, uh, it's kind of a big secret, but agents, agents seeking to build their own weapon need three things, power, uh, a shard, a huge shard, um, the rituals of Kulsir, and the location of the Kenneth uh, in the Mornland. Agents seeking to build a weapon need three things. A huge shard, the rituals Kulsir, and the location of the Kenneth Laboratory in the Mornland. Uh, what else? Uh, so where is the where would the location be held? So who would know about it? So the one of the things about what happened during the morning is that the most of house, and I guess this is a secret, or it can be, most of house... Most of House Kenneth's knowledge was destroyed with the morning. Um, the location of the vault was lost as well. So I don't know how they're going to find the location. I guess I can sort of leave that out. That's sort of the third thing they need to get before they leave Sharn, right? Um, and I think that, you know, one of these is like there needs to be multiple ways to get all of these things so that the villains can move forward, even if the characters pick up some of this stuff. So if the characters pick up the Tome of Kulsir, what will Leto Skull do then to try to get the ritual required to create the weapon? Right. Who would he ally with? Where would he steal it from? You know, he'd pr probably try to get the vault, but he might say, like, actually, I already have the tablets that the vault can't. I don't care about the book. I have the tablets. I picked those up in my expedition. So he might have two of the three things already, but he might lose the shard. Right? If the characters find the shard in his vault, they might take it or do something with it. I don't know what. Um, 
but the so knowledge of the you know I guess all all of the groups hunt for the location of the vault. Ah, I think the Emerald Claw knows where it is. Not the vault, the laboratory. So, lots of secrets. Um, so, I feel pretty set there. Uh, I already have a um, pretty good idea about the Aurum Manor and uh, what's underneath it. I think this is what's underneath Oh, no, this is what's underneath it. Um, those are the vaults underneath the um, uh, the Aurum Manor, uh, underneath Lido Skalsmont Manor. Uh, I already have locations for Morgrave University. I do need a uh, Ruined Temple of Balinor. So let's go to my favorite site. Dyson Logos, maps. And we are looking for a map for a temple uh, let's, uh, yeah, I was going to say, let's look through his newer stuff, but no need. So we already used that. We're already using that. I just grabbed whatever. Uh, I'm going to use this one. It's going to be the the crypts where, um, where the Emerald Claw is hanging out. Uh, ooh, this looks pretty good. Uh, this is one of his new index card-sized yeah, I think this could work pretty well, right? And it could be held back in here. This is good. I like it. All right, see, we're good. So we got a Ruined Temple Balinar ready to go. Um, I'll tell you, man, you ever need a map, go to Dyson. He's got them all. It's like 900 maps here. And as you can see, you just sort of sort through them and you, you know, grab the first one that works and you're set. That's like, that's the laziest approach for finding a map. You can also print, the, a real easy trick is print these out and grab a pen and um, draw, you know, write in the the features of the map, um, you know, write in the features of the map in it, and that can work really well. Uh, I wonder what would be in here. Um, maybe some of those undead null things would be kind of cool, as like you know, undead versions of uh, shifters. I think that could work really well. Um, what else do we have? I think NPCs are pretty well set. Uh, so I don't need to worry about that. Monsters. So let's take a look for monsters. Witherling, right? I think Witherlings are undead. Yeah, perfect. Oh, and they're low. This is great. So we're going to throw Witherlings. Um, so these are for the temple. Um, um, uh, what other? What other kind of cool creatures? would be um, 
I already had ochre jellies. Uh, maybe some gray oozes. Can never go wrong with gray oozes. They're fun. Um, so, uh, a ruined temple to a bestial god. Uh, what kind of creatures would you find there? Um, I don't know. Hey, look, there's a huge gray ooze. Oh, psychic gray ooze. Yeah. We're using those. What other creatures? If you have a, a, a temple to a bestial god, to a god of war and nature, and um, uh, it got corrupted when the temple fell, uh, what kind of beasts you know i guess you could have like a zombie ogre um minotaur skeletons yeah that's a good idea those are good yeah i think that's good i think we're set there um I don't know that I'm going to worry about filling out the other places yet because I don't think we have to worry too much about them getting there. Um, and then the treasure is going to be the Icon of Claws. So I think that can work. So most of it, yeah, I think they're going to still go into the vault. Uh, but if they come out of the vault, I think I've got enough things going on for them, enough options for them that I can sort of fill it out as we go. Uh, so I think we're pretty good here. Uh, yeah, so I think we're going to call it a day here. I'm going to, I'm going to end a little early and do a little bit more research offline and, uh, try to fill this out. So, uh, yeah, anyway, I hope it was interesting to talk about, um, dinner parties and we will find out next week how the recovery from the dinner party goes i want to thank everybody for coming today uh, i always appreciate having such a fine audience of folks hanging out to uh help me prep my game and uh i will uh see all of you guys next week and i hope you have a chance to get out there and play some D. &D. thank you very much